Welcome to Cats and Charts. I am Susie. I'm Rebecca. Each week we, we explore an academic paper as if we were chatting to our mums. Ciao, mamma. Hi, mum. Okay, you ready? My best friend's my cat. My cat's my best friend. It's pretty good. Okay, Susie, what are we talking about today? So today we are exploring a paper uh, which was published in September 2020, mm-hmm. uh, which is titled Phosphine Gas in the Cloud Decks of Venus. Mm-hmm. And a, the first author of this paper is Professor Jane Greaves from Cardiff University. And it's a paper, I had to put a little parenthesis here, which is I am definitely not an, astro- an astrobiologist or an astronomist or anything to do with stars, as we know, but I loved this paper and and the publicity that came with it just because as a child I was really fascinated with planets and what they were like Um, and Venus was an extremely interesting one as well and we'll see why in a moment and the really cool thing about this paper is that came out in September and obviously as it happens with papers that you know make interesting claims there was a lot of publicity with it from the media and everyone started shouting or oh, uh, scientists found evidence of life in Venus. And we'll soon see that the, the authors of this paper don't make these really great claims, uh, but obviously <laughs> the media loved it. Um, but let's go with order. Okay, oh, I should also say that at the moment, the paper itself says there, there is an editor's note. So the authors are currently doing some recalculations um, and it's being peer reviewed. As I said, we're not discussing this paper into the scientific details because we don't understand it, but we'll have a nice <laughs> chat about it because it's interesting. Okay, so first of all, why Venus? So I don't know if you're were a crazy child like me and you ever looked into what Venus is like, Rebecca, in any way. I mean, it just, it sounded really gross, didn't it? Because it's like really near the sun and it's really toxic, but it has yes. all these volcanoes of just like random toxic crap, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's been described like the evil twin of Earth. <laughs> because it, it's like almost exactly the same size of Earth. Um, and despite this planet not being the closest to the sun, because the, the closest is Mercury, Venus is covered in these thick clouds of carbon dioxide and um, sulfuric acid that basically trap the heat inside the planet, which mm-hmm. means that at the surface there is uh, 465 degrees. It's a very pleasant temperature. And also the atmosphere is incredibly, sorry, the pressure on the the surface is incredibly strong. So you probably end up being squished. It's the same, I think I read it, it's like the same pressure you'd encounter one mile uh, below the ocean on Earth. Not a nice planet to be in, to be honest. So, you know, when you read a paper that says there's life on Venus, you're like, but how? (laughs) It doesn't sound possible. Um, The really, really other cool thing about Venus is that um, a day on Venus is longer than a year. So it takes it as long to turn on itself as it takes it to turn around the sun. Wow. Imagine a day in Venus would be quite boring. Uh, So these are many random facts about Venus, Uh, but there were actually many missions to Venus um, and the, the best and last record of anything landing on Venus successfully was in 1981. Mm-hmm. where a probe managed to survive on the surface for two hours. Wow. and collected some interesting data. But that mm-hmm. was the last time they actually sent something on Venus. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the moment, there is one little robot that's like circling around Venus, and it's from Japan, I think. But so we usually study Venus from Earth with like massive telescopes. Um, 
and another random fact about Venus, sorry to ramble, um, is that it's thought to have had water for over 3 billion years before it's sort of boiled away. And Mars in comparison, which everyone talks about, mm -hmm. only had water for 400 million years. So it's quite interesting. Venus was potentially more livable than Mars for longer, but not now. Um, anyway, so we, scientists are citing Venus because it's so similar to, to Earth, but, and yet so deadly that you're like, what, what happened on Venus? Why, mm -hmm. why is it? Mm -hmm. um, but going on today, paper, the paper's claim is that phosphine was detected in the clouds of Venus. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you're wondering what the hell is phosphine, because that was my first thought. Yes, it was also my first thought, yes. Yeah, and, and, and why are people bothered about this? Yes. So, so phosphine Thanks. is a chemical, and as chemicals goes, it's, it's not a really weird chemical. It's quite mm -hmm. simple. Mm -hmm. um, it's also very interesting, very toxic and flammable. Um, and it's used in the electronics in industry. Mm -hmm. And I've also read in a non-pure format, it also smells of rotten fish. Oh, good. So we're like, wow, that's a great gas. It's also a gas, uh, by the way. It's just a great thing to find on Venus, but why are we bothered? So it's um, like rotten fish steam, is that what you're saying? Yeah, it sounds like tasty. Steam, it's a bit like yeah. rotten fish. Okay, so they're trying to detect this rotten fish steam, is that right? Let, let me go with order. So Please. this is what phosphine is, right? Mm -hmm. Now on Earth, there isn't a lot of phosphine. Mm -hmm. The because it's it's more common to find phosphate as an element with oxygen in mm -hmm. the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. However, on Earth, phosphine itself was found in sewage sludge. Lovely. Which is, again, a very lovely fact. Yeah. And scientists don't understand yet how it is produced from sewage sludge. But if it you is. sterilize the sludge, phosphine is not produced anymore. Okay. So they assume that some sort of microorganism lives in the sludge and produces phosphine. Mm -hmm. So phosphine itself could be a sign of a microorganism doing its thing. Excellent. Right. And by that you mean little tiny bacterias? Or... Yeah, like yeah. some sort of yeah, little, little... Little bugs. Yeah, little bugs. For Just, all of our listeners, i.e. my mother, Susie is doing a really great impression of a small parasite with her fingers. Um, yeah, yeah you get the vibes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, this is phosphine. Um, and we got the connection of why phosphine could be a sign of life. Mm -hmm. um, but now going back to the paper. So we're talking about phosphine on Venus, mm -hmm. the clouds of Venus. Mm -hmm. So how do they, how on, how ever do they measure phosphine? So the astronomers basically gathered signals from two large telescope, mm -hmm. telescopes. One is in Hawaii and it's called the James Clerk Maxwell Telescope. Mm -hmm. And the other one is in Chile mm -hmm. and it's called the Atacama Large Millimeter Array. Excellent. Or ALMA for short. And these signals were gathered in 2017 and 2019. Mm -hmm. So two different places in the world who are sort of detecting signals from Venus. Mm -hmm. um, so I discovered that um, each chemical mm -hmm. so chemicals is by uh, using the, by basically shining light on them. And every time you shine a light on a chemical, they absorb the light and then they emit it again. Mm -hmm. And each chemical does that in a very individual manner. So yeah. it's almost as if they have their own little signature in color. Yes. Like. Amazing. So they can do, they can use these telescopes to basically whenever Venus is, in the light, they can look mm -hmm. at the atmosphere and see which chemicals are sort of 
popping up with their colors. But each chemical has a unique, unique signature, which is called a spectra. Um, of course, there's lots of other variables in play because at play because um, it's a planet. So there's a whole planet of it, a whole surface. Um, it moves and it also moves, interestingly, in the opposite direction of Earth. Mm -hmm. um, and also the atmosphere of Venus, it's constantly swirling as if it was a, a massive hurricane. Wow. So there's lots of different variables happening. Yeah, yeah. So the scientists in his paper had to uh, use very complex calculations, um, filter and processing the signal itself mm -hmm. to capture exactly which chemicals are present in the atmosphere. Sure. And with the tiny signature with the color. It's a bit like, it sounds a bit like you're distinguishing different shades of Dulux paint. Yes, 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 exactly. It's a bit like that. But with added complicatedness, which we're not going to go into because- but In a hurricane. the scientists. Yes. Yes. No, sure. <laughs> Um, and the scientists were not expecting at all to find phosphine. So mm -hmm. they were very, very surprised to mm -hmm. find the clear signature, the spectra for phosphine specifically. Mm -hmm. And in the, in the paper, as it was published in September, they say they detected about 10 parts per billion of phosphine, mm -hmm. which is apparently a large amount. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me and you, it's like 10 parts per billion of phosphine, whatever. <laughs> um, so they they're not just saying, yay, there's phosphine, great, that's it. They also try to do a lot of computer modeling to understand how phosphine can be in the clouds of Venus at a, specifically, a specific height as well. So imagine like the atmosphere of Venus being mainly toxic, full of acid, blah, blah, blah. But apparently at about 60 kilometers or so, it's not so bad. There's like a good, <laughs> there's like a good atmosphere there. You know, you're not going to be crushed by by the pressure you're not going to be boiled alive so it's like a soft spot sounds and like a lovely place for a holiday yes yes, yes yes and phosphine happens to be there so okay the you're like okay great so how can we actually make phosphine like what are the reasons for which phosphine could be there sure. so they do lots of modeling um they try to basically model how different adding different chemicals together could make phosphine um, they realized that for that to happen, I'm not a chemist, but it, in order for chemicals reaction to happen, you need lots of energy. Mm -hmm. And for to create phosphine itself, you need even mm -hmm. more energy because it's 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 a strange configuration of chemicals. Basically. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So it's easier for for example to find phosphate with oxygen mm -hmm. rather than mm -hmm. phosphine, which has hydrogen. Mm -hmm. We don't care about that. Um, so they do the calculations and they realize that in order for chemicals to come together and to make phosphine, it would take too much energy that's mm -hmm. never going to happen in the atmosphere of Venus. Yeah. So they rule out other things are like okay because we could also make phosphine if there was there were lots of lightning but it, it there's not actually lots of lightning happening in Venus atmosphere mm -hmm. so that can be a reason either. They also say right if there was some sort of meteoritic activity sort of lots of mm -hmm. meteorites smashing into Venus that might create some phosphine and they try to model that by comparing uh, meteoritic activities in on earth and what could happen mm -hmm. that also cannot build as much phosphine as they found um and they also try to think okay for what about geological activity well it turns out there's not much volcanic activity happening on 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 venus so that can't explain the amount either so they say well you know if if we can't explain it with these models then it means either that some sort of microorganism is making phosphine like it happens on earth with mm -hmm. the beautiful sewer sludge yeah or there is a, an anomalous and unexplained chemistry that we don't know yet that is happening there. And these are equally possible. And yes. they actually say, 
you know, we're not saying that phosphine is a robust evidence of life, because if we remember, we don't even know how phosphine is made on Earth. We just assume it's a sort of life form, but we don't know. So it, it's kind of an interesting thing because they, they try to do all this speculation and all this modeling. And in the end, phosphine is still there and we don't know why. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned before, there was a big scientific and media storm as it happens with like these big papers that come out. Um, so lots of scientists came together and they, they took the data, which was publicly available from these two telescopes. And some groups analyze the data and they say, there's no phosphine. You, you must have used some really like, I re- you know, remember this is like really complex analysis, filtering, processing, yeah. you know, it's very possible that there was a mistake somewhere there. So they say, well, we did the analysis, the authors are wrong, there's no phosphine. Mm-hmm. And the authors are like, no, we did your analysis again. Um, we actually found a tiny mistake in the signal. So one of the, one of the telescope signals was not filtered properly in mm-hmm. the first time. Mm-hmm. So they reanalyzed the data and they republished it now. Sorry, it's not published yet. It's now under peer review. But they're basically saying, we reanalyzed the data and phosphine is still there. It's not in the 10 parts per billion part kind of area. Mm-hmm. It's around five to seven or something. Okay. There's still a lot of it. Okay. But again, the models can't predict. So there's still an ongoing debate, if you mm-hmm. like. So where are we now? So as I said, everything is still being peer-reviewed. So there's lots of big brains that are looking at these data mm-hmm. and they're trying to decide who's right and who's wrong and whether mm-hmm. there's phosphine or not. And some of the interesting comments I read about this paper is that, you know, it doesn't really matter if there is phosphine or not. It still revived interest in Venus. And remember, the last probe that landed on Venus was in 1981. Mm-hmm. So it's been a long time ago. Um, and in fact, in a, there is a place, uh, a NASA team that is currently developing a, a, a station, like a tiny robot that can survive on Venus for at least 60 days. Wow. Which can, you know, not, not instead of uh, trying to absorb the heat or the conditions with refrigeration, but rather mm-hmm. using materials that could survive longer, like silicon carbide. I have not even know, like what can survive in 465 degrees and like crushing pressure. Like, for me, this paper was fascinating just because, you know, revived interest in this really odd planet and um, there might be supposed to be or not. Um, Sewer's Lodge is fascinating. Excellent. Thank you so much. So I've got some questions. You gave us some really lovely details about studying Venus from Earth. I was wondering if you could just tell me a little bit more about just how that happens. How how do how does it get to our telescope? Yes. So um, each of our planets are uh, hit by light from the sun, mm-hmm. and that light bounces off the planet, and we can detect that through our big telescopes, which are built in such a way that they can capture as much light as possible. According to that, we can also the way the uh, chemicals in the surface of a planet Mm -hmm. are bouncing off the light Mm -hmm. is different according to each chemical Mm -hmm. and so that basically produces a different color if you like on um, a little meter of colors that we like so each each element will give you a different combination of hydrogen would have a preference for um, a color of like dark blue and then a bit of green and then a bit of orange while another element could like other colors more but that means that each one will have a specific color that they prefer. And we can see that reflection mm-hmm. from the sun onto the planet, onto the telescope. Excellent. So surely there are going to be some uh, chemicals that look like other chemicals. So mm-hmm. some chemicals will be lime green and other chemicals will be duck green. Um, can you tell I've been painting my flat? Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
And so I was wondering how the researchers thought about that. Yeah, so um, you're absolutely, absolutely right. Some chemicals could have very similar preferences, mm. if you want. Um, however, they don't have, it's not like a one-to-one preference. So mm-hmm. each, each chemical might have, you know, four or five preferences that are far oh, away indeed. enough. Yeah, yeah. So it becomes, it almost becomes like, um, like lots of little picks for one chemical, if mm-hmm. you want. Okay. And, then, and then that becomes the key, almost like a barcode. There mm-hmm. you go. It's like a barcode. Each chemical has its own barcode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and so they become unique enough that you can say, yes, it's exactly that. But oh. actually, you, may, you had a good, good point because one of the main critiques of the paper was that they, hadn't, they were confusing phosphine with another chemical that could have a very similar signature. Mm-hmm. But they also say, no, we filtered so we eliminated that signal, so it can't be that one, so it has to be phosphine. Okay, so on to some better, sillier questions. Um, when we're thinking about life on Venus, what makes life on Venus so unlikely? We don't know exactly what, what went wrong in Venus. As I was mentioning earlier, there was water on Venus for you know four billion years, mm-hmm. which is uh, much longer than, for example, on Mars. Mm. Um, however, something must have happened for all the water to boil away and create this massive thick atmosphere that is Mm. carbon dioxide and Mm. you know we humans don't like that very much there's also sulfur so i remember reading as a child that on venus there was a constant acid rain which was fascinating of course that's probably speculation because nobody has actually been around venus with an umbrella (laughs) it sounds like it's not the perfect air to breathe Mm -hmm. Um, also, as we mentioned, the surface on the planet itself, because of this sort of greenhouse gas um, effect mm-hmm. that the atmosphere creates, the temperature on the planet is 465 degrees, which is enough to melt lead. Wow. Again, not very pleasant. No. And the added bit of the pressure, mm-hmm. which you know might be good for a fish under the ocean, but not for us. And again, there's no water and 465 degrees, so it would be a very happily cooked fish probably rotten then maybe that's where phosphine is coming from <laughs> i think you've got solved the mystery that's it <laughs> that's right to nature <laughs> what key features would an alien from venus have uh venusian alien oh venusian venusian alien oh gosh i mean if they had to live so i people have been theorizing that there is a soft spot in the atmosphere where life could be bearable if you like yeah you know where phosphine has been found around mm-hmm. 60 kilometers mm-hmm. high so, you know, if there was something on Venus, maybe they do live in that happy space. Sure. Um, How interesting. So they'd have to be like birds or some sort of flying creature or? Yeah, why not? <laughs> 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 or, or maybe they built like whatever people were there before. They managed to build some really, really tall buildings. It's like a tree house. The tree, like house, the tree people house people of Venus. Kilometers. Excellent. Or something floating around 60 kilometers up. No, it mm-hmm. wouldn't be floating. I don't know. I mean, this is just speculation and we're just going no, this wild wonderful. here, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so my last question is, is it okay that the scientists were wrong or corrected or started a debate? Oh, I, I think that's wonderful. I think that's what, like, what science is about, right? Every time, that's, sorry, that's what makes science different from like astrology or something. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I apologize for any listener who's like a really believer in astrology. I'm not trying to offend astrology, but 
the, the thing about science it can, it, is that it can always be, always be disproved. So every time a paper comes out, everyone is free to look at the data that's been published and try to understand it for themselves. We could do that, Rebecca, as well, if we fancied some sort of wavelength analysis and Fourier transform, which I, I always did fancy myself as an astrophysicist, you're correct. Yeah, 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 yeah me too. We could do that too. Um, but it's, it, it's vital to science because if we couldn't challenge what we discovered, then we'd never be able to progress, really. And even if, you know, even if the scientists have actually made a mistake, um, and the reason for spin, it's, it's still interesting that something had happened in the calculations for that to happen. Mm -hmm. So maybe there could be, you know, a new method that can be developed to look at the, at the telescope, uh, to look at the data. Also, the, the authors mentioned that they use the telescopes to the limits, right? Mm -hmm. So they, that's all the light they can capture. So mm -hmm. are, do we need bigger telescopes? Do we, do we need to send a probe? to Venus again to detect the atmosphere, you know, to send a little robot, detect some beautiful acidic rain and gases and bring them back to Earth. Because that would be, you know, the way to get the information. Yeah. I mean, we're all trying to go to the moon, but we could just, you know, go to Venus. Go to Venus instead. Wonderful. Excellent. Thank you so much, Susie. That was really great. Um, shall we give some updates on our cats? Now, oh, I yes. should, uh, let listeners know that Susie has gone um, back to Italy for uh, the festive period. So the cats that she's updating us on are her parents' cats. Exactly. So how are, how are Lilia and Puma? Um, they're doing well. Um, although last night we had a bit of a panic moment because we couldn't find Puma anywhere. <gasps> so Puma is the youngest cat. And she has a terrible habit of um, going to sleep in random places around the house. And my parents had very strict rule that at night they sleep in the living room, in their basket. Like who has a cat that sleeps on a basket? Anyway, we couldn't find Puma anywhere. The neighbors probably wanted to kill us because it was like midnight and we're like, Puma, Puma, where are you, Puma? Like opening all the closets, like nothing. And then finally, after I think the third person opened the Julius closet, my little brother's closet, the cat was there and he came out like all sleepy, like, whoa, what happened? So she was so sleepy that she couldn't hear us. But she was alive and she was fine. Uh, How is Agnes? She's very well, thank you. So my sofa at home has one of those like L-shaped ends to it, so you can put your feet up. Um, and today my flatmate Rachel was um, having a lovely time reading the book on... Mm on the L bit of the sofa and she got up to, to make a cup of tea and so came back two minutes later and Agnes had entirely taken over the <laughs> L. She just looked at us like, and what? this is where I'm staying now. Thank you so much for keeping it warm. Tiny cats picking up the biggest pot on the couch. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Today, Agnes bullied Rachel out of the most comfortable spot on the sofa. Well, <laughs> that has been uh, our episode of Cats and Charts. Join us again next time. Uh, same cat time, same cat place. That will catch on, I promise. <laughs> catch on. Uh, oh. Okay, well, I've been Rebecca. This was Susie. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Remember to like and subscribe and find us on Instagram.